Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. everybody welcome back to another episode of the 60 cents podcast i'm lucas i got chris and jonathan guy here guys it's the eve before the tr- nba trade deadline and there's a lot to get to tonight but before we get into that we got to first talk about the sixers game against the uh the uh boston celtics yeah guys that was a uh tough loss obviously but wanted to get your opinion 106-99 loss for the Celtics. Um, what stood out to you from the Sixers starters? Um, you know, I don't generally enjoy losing to the Celtics. It's not something that makes me happy. Uh, this was a game, obviously, where Boston was pretty severely shorthanded. Uh, no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford, no Rob Williams. Jalen Brown didn't play in the second half. Like, the kind of game against the team that they're battling in the standings where you think, hey, maybe the Sixers should show up and play their hardest defense and win the game. They didn't do that. Um, you know, Joel and James showed up offensively, 28-7 and seven for Joel, 26 points, 11 dimes for James Harden, a very efficient night for James, one of his better games uh, in a while. Offensively, Milton had 12 points. Tobias was pretty quiet. Um, PJ, pretty loud by his standards with eight points. Um, But yeah, another game where the effort just wasn't there defensively. Um, I I, I don't really know what the issue is. In theory, Philly has three very good defenders in the starting five with PJ, Milton, and Joel. You're starting Milton over Maxi and sacrificing... Maxi's role pretty severely to theoretically bolster the defense, and it's just not working out right now. I mean, Boston's offense was getting open three after open three. Blake Griffin had hit, had five threes in this game. They just started the game not guarding him on the three-point line, which was a curious decision um, by Joel or Doc or whoever that was that was on. Um, yeah, they're just cohesively, they're not there on defense yet, and it's, it's a bit of a concern because this team on paper should be a very good defensive team. They have all the personnel to compete with a team like Boston in the East. But the Celtics severely short-handed were very clearly the better team tonight. So it, it's not a good look. Yeah, you, you kind of hit it on the head. I do want to say two of ten from the field for Tobias. It was horrendous game. And it seems like the, uh, when he's guarded by Tatum, Tatum pretty much has his number. He's been pretty – it feels like, and I need to go double-check the stats here, but it feels like – He's been pretty inefficient against Boston uh, during his time in Philly. So it's disappointing to see another night like that. Like you said, Joel and Harden showed up, but the rest of the team didn't really. You mentioned the Maxi thing, which we'll get to here because in a minute. But to go back to your your Celtics point, look, the, the Sixers, we know this sometimes. They don't get up for like they they don't always show up against weaker competition and with like essentially three and a half starters missing, they didn't really try, and it was evident. I don't think there was any argument there. It was evident that they didn't really they didn't take it seriously. Joel just sat there as Blake had like three first quarter three pointers. So, and look like obviously Blake Griffin can hit threes, but we you don't expect him to go five of eight from downtown. Not at this point in his, in his career. Um, so it's just one of those things where it definitely really hurt. Um, can't really blame Melton or Tucker. Tobias was the only weak link in the starting five. But yet again, it's not really that. 
And it's not even like the defense was horrendous, Chris. We we held them to 106. It's just it wasn't good enough for the lack of offense that the Sixers had, especially in the second unit. So, yeah, Jonathan, let's get to that. Yeah, obviously, the bench didn't play great. Um, Chris, I did want to touch on one thing you said. Uh, obviously, putting uh, Melton in the starting lineup is supposed to help with defense, but J.J. Reddick said on the Knicks broadcast the other night, that the Sixers per 100 possessions are actually better when Maxi is in the lineup on defense. So that was kind of shocking to me. But tonight, it didn't seem to matter. The bench was struggling all around. What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, you look, I, I mean, the, the conversation pretty much starts and ends with Tyrese in this game. Six points on three of 14 from the field in 22 minutes. That's not going to cut it. Uh, the Maxi experience has been a bit up and down lately. Um, I think that's the best way to describe it. Obviously, the move to the bench seems pretty like solidified at this point. It doesn't seem like that's going to change anytime soon, no matter if we agree with it or not. Um, I, I, this was a particularly bad night, so I understand it. But generally speaking, I, I still pretty firmly believe that Tyrese Maxey is the third best player on this team and should be playing more than 22 minutes um, on a given night. And you have to wonder how much of this is just like, you know, having his confidence hurt a little bit by Doc's decision to move him to the bench. How much of it is the Sixers just not putting him in a position to succeed like they normally do? They're asking a lot of him with some of these second unit groups and not necessarily playing to his strengths. I think Maxie's at his best playing off of James and, and Joel to a lesser extent. So these units were just Tyrese running the show. Are those two guys sit? Or I don't think really how you get the most out of Tyrese. And I, I think that's not setting up the team or Maxi for success, frankly. So I, I have some quibbles with how Doc has used Tyrese lately. This was just a bad performance from Tyrese. Um, I'm not too concerned long-term, but I, I, I will say it, it's not, not what you want. And this is a guy who started the season on an all-star or borderline all-star pace. It's been a bit of a ride since he got back from that injury. Maybe he's still getting back to full speed. It takes time for some guys who miss a month. So so it's understandable. But, yeah, it, it was a really bad Maxi game. And I'm, I'm interested to see how the next couple of weeks and months go for him ahead of the playoffs. Um, otherwise, might be Matisse Seibel's last game. He's a sixer. Uh, hats off to him. 2010 minutes, three points. Uh, George Yang. Nothing special out of him. Really a very quiet night for the bench overall. Not a lot of minutes for the bench. Joel playing 39 minutes. James playing 37. 33 for Melton. 32 for Tobias. They leaned heavily on the starters. He ultimately didn't give them enough. But, yeah, the, the Maxi stuff is a bit concerning. And I'm I'm not super thrilled with how he is. he's being used right now. Yeah, look, I, I tend to agree. I, I think that there's an argument that you could make that this could hurt and stunt Maxi in the long term. I, I am a bit concerned because I've seen Maxi defer a lot, and we talked about that last year at times when he was sharing the floor with Joel. I think we both want Maxi to be in attack mode almost all the time, and even though he had 14 points in this game, there were plenty of times that he deferred, that he probably should have gone for it more. I'm just a little concerned. Like, I'm concerned. Maybe maybe we bring Maxi back into the starting five. I don't think the defense is going to drop off that much to where you it's untenable in the playoffs. Um, so I think the argument could be made that he could should be back in the starting five because you need that third 20-point-per-game night with Joel and Harden if you're going to try to win a championship, in my opinion. In my opinion. Uh, yeah, regarding the rest of the bench. Oh, sorry. No, keep going. I was just going to say, Harold, nine points minus uh, nine minutes, two points minus four, four rebounds. Look, I'm going to be preaching it, and we'll talk about it more later, but we need more help at the center position, especially if Doc refuses to play B Paul Paul. So, yeah, everything else, you know, I, I want Milton to take more than just one shot, but, you know, it happens some nights. So, that's just my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, how concerning is it to you that this game was even this close? The Celtics were out for, without Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford to start the game, and then uh, Jalen Brown didn't even play the second half. So 
three to four starters aren't playing in this game and we lose. Yeah, it, it's not great. Again, like, South, the Sixers have won, like, 22 of their last 30. They've won nine of their last 12 now, I think, including this game. Like, they've been remarkably good over the past few months. So it's hard to sit here and justifiably panic. But at the same time, we still see a lot of the tendencies that have dragged them down through pretty much the entire Joel era. It's it's the same kind of issues with effort defense over and over again offensive execution late in games like the same exact issues get them every year and this is a game again if they want to keep moving up in the standings they're chasing boston this is the kind of opportunity to get a pretty important win um as far as the standings go against the team that is shorthanded and they didn't pull it off um they, they just didn't put in the effort necessary to do it tatum wasn't even very good in this game. Brown again didn't play the second half. They're missing three other starters. Like, if you don't win that game, it's it's not a great look. Um, credit to Boston. They're one of the deepest teams in the NBA. They might get even deeper tomorrow at the trade deadline. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, Grant Williams, all those guys are really good, like, top 100 players. They're just absurdly deep. So it's not like this was a team without talented players on the floor. But... This is the kind of game where if you're Philly, it's not a must win, but it's a game that you'd really like to win, and they just didn't pull it off. So it was not – it's disappointing for sure. Look, whenever you lose against Boston, it's always disappointing, but when you lose to them, when you're fully healthy and they're not, not just like one or two players. We're talking about essentially four players. It's, it's a sour taste that's going to be left in the mouth of Sixers fans for sure moving forward. You can't blame the duo. It's the supporting cast here, and I don't really, I don't even know if you can really play blame Doc Rivers on this. This was a player effort. This was not a Doc Rivers making a mistake type thing. This was supporting cast not stepping up on the road. That that being said, I mean, you know, role players struggle on the road. That's that's part of it. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I, I'd like to criticize Doc, too, when necessary, but I agree. I don't think the blame goes on him. It honestly feels like they're almost coasting into the All-Star break, and they just kind of need to get that over with. But let's switch gears here. Chris, you wrote a couple articles recently ranking the point guards and shooting guards in the NBA and where the Sixers players fit in on that list. So let's start first with the point guards and James Harden, where he fits in on that list. Lucas, why don't you go first? Okay, so I'm going to go through Chris's list real quick. And Jonathan or, or Chris, you guys stop me where you want to make an argument here. And I'll stop when I want I to make no an argument. I have no arguments. Here. I think it's a perfect Okay, so, so Jonathan, you chime in here. So Chris, <laughs> starting at 30, has Monte Morris. 29 is Russell Westbrook. 28 is Markel Fultz. I'm honestly just surprised <laughs> Are you that he had. For that? No, 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 no. I have to. I change slides. I have to oh. change slides. <laughs> but I, I will say that I'm surprised that he even has Westbrook in the top 30 to begin with. Tyus Jones, D'Angelo Russell, Kyle Lowry. I think Russell should be above Lowry there. Agree. Agree. Lonzo, Chris. Lonzo Ball hasn't played a single minute this season. You can't have him on the list if he hasn't played. Uh, yeah, I don't know I that this list is perfect. Oh, well, no, that's the whole point of bringing this up so we can dissect it. So let me ask you this, um, John. Is uh, Jordan Poole a point guard or a shooting guard? Um, shooting guard? Important. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I thought. Chris has him 23rd here as a point guard. He shouldn't be on the list, Chris. Wrong, wrong position. Okay. <laughs> Michael Conley, who just got traded, he's 22. Let's see. Twenty is twenty-one is Fred Van Vliet. Twenty is Malcolm Brogdon. Nineteen is CJ McCollum. Marcus Margaret is eighteen. Cade Cunningham is seventeen. Jamal Murray is sixteen. Okay, still got no problems here. Let's see. Kyrie is fifteen. I don't know. I feel like Kyrie's a little bit higher than fifteen, Chris. I, I feel like he's a little bit higher. I mean, it's splitting hairs, and if you want to go with the whole entire off-court stuff, then fine. But on the court, he's better than a top-15 point guard. Point on guard. court, 
on court, he's top five. Uh, and I say top ten, not top five. But Jalen Brunson is fourteen. De'Aaron Fox is thirteen. Drew Holiday is twelve. This one seems a bit high for me compared to what he's done so far this season. Chris Paul at eleven. I feel like he should be a little bit lower. He's he's taking a step back. Um, Lamelo Ball at ten. Darius Garland at nine. Now this next one I'm surprised about with Chris. Tyrese Halliburton at eight. Chris, we both love Halliburton. He needs to be higher. Come on, you can do better than that. I love it. Who is he going to be higher than? The the, the next like, guy, all- Trey Young. He's better than okay. Trey Young this season. Trey Young is putting up empty calories. I'm sorry. Okay, so he's either seven or eight, but like the next six guys, I think are pretty unimpeachable. So uh, I mean, I, I think know. Kyrie is top five. Um, okay, well here's top. Here's the top six now. I don't James know Harden. J- he has James Harden six. Damian Lillard five. John Moran fourth. I would switch Damon and, and James. I would switch Damon James. That's just me. Sure. John Moran, four. Eh, I don't know about that. Because he has three. She, I would switch Ja and Shay for two, uh, three, and four. Because you got Shay, three, Luca, two, and Steph, one. If we're going with legacy, yes, Steph is one. If we're going with overall skill, then Luca's one. Any thoughts there? That, mm, Luca's a more complete point guard than Steph. Steph's just a scoring point guard. I'm sorry. At the He's end of the day, a, I think Luca has a lot. Like, don't get me wrong. I think, like you said the other night, Luca is the next LeBron. But like, except for like the speed and and whatever. But like. He doesn't make his like the Mavericks are not that good, and I know they don't have a great team around him. But like LeBron and Steph, like when there's injuries, they keep the team going almost. I, I just feel like that sometimes you got to take that into account. I don't know. I'm just talking yeah. about this season. Steph has been injured multiple times now. I'm going to miss I, multiple I, weeks. And in terms of like dominance, Luca's leading the league in scoring when he's healthy, and, and he's averaging a near triple double. I mean. Strong MVP case. Curry's not there. Luke is awesome. Curry, you know, is like one of the five or ten best players ever. Uh, I'm going based off of this season. Your rankings are based off this season, right? I understand. And and Curry's been brilliant this season when he's been healthy. Um, Yeah, Curry's not just a scorer. I don't think that's fair to to Steph. Because Steph, he does off the ball is, is as dominant and game-changing as any player we've ever seen. He's a better defender than Luka, straight up. Fair. He's a brilliant passer in his own right. Like, Luka's amazing. If you want to put Luka one, that's totally justifiable. I'm, I'm not going to argue, but I, I mean, Steph still has it, I think, and um, I, I think they're both on the same level. So I, I, I don't think there's, like, a clear break between either one. Okay, so we got through the point guards. Let's get right, to the shooting sh- guards. Yep, go shooting yep. guards. Let's go for it. So, for Sixers fans, I think Chris play, was a little bit of a homer here because I wouldn't put Jake Milton. I, Jake Milton's a point I'm guard right. this season. He, uh, I think he's a point guard this season, Chris. He's been playing right. point guard more. Yeah, but, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah, but he's 30th on this list. I don't hate it because Shake, it's Shake. Quinn Grimes, 29. Bogdan Bogdanovich is 28. I feel like he's been injured most of the season. Gary, okay, Chris. You got Gary Payton ahead of Gary Trent? Yeah. Nah, nah, Chris. Gary Payton's barely played, and Gary Trent is more of a two-way player. I'm clearly not taking injuries. That much, like, like when healthy, Gary yeah, Trent's better. It's nah, like, no. Gary Trent has played more games this year. That's not really what I'm basing. Gary Trent's the starter. Gary Payton's not. I, I'm sorry. That doesn't matter. Gary Payton's no, Tyree but Mack okay. Is not a starter. He's no, 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 no. But, but okay. My point being is like, what on what team is Gary Payton the second starter? Gary Trent is the starter on most teams. Okay. My point is that I don't think Gary Payton's better than Gary Trent. I refuse to believe that. That's fine. They're neck and neck. If you want to argue that 
Peyton should be 27 and Trent should be 26. I'll I'll concede. I don't care that much. It, oh my gosh. Jonathan, can you be the tiebreaker here? Gary Payton. Wow. All right, let's move on. Wow. Okay, Norman Powell, 25. <laughs> 24 is Contavious Caldwell Pope. 23 is Scary Terry Rogier. 22, which I'm actually surprised you have him as low as you do, is Jalen Green. I know you're a big fan of his. Let's see here. Seth Curry's 21. Derek White is 20. DeAnthony Melton's tw- 19. You tried to squeeze as many Sixers on here as you could, didn't you? I'm just speaking <laughs> the facts here. Okay. Spencer Dinwiddie is 18. I guess he's a point guard again now because he's back in, um, hey, no in one, Brooklyn. No one has ever accused me of ranking Sixers too highly on these kinds of lists. So it's about I mean, time that I changed the narrative. I, you know what? That is very true. Jordan Clarkson at 17. Alex Caruso at 16. Why am I not surprised he's that high for you? Okay. Um, <laughs> let's see. Kevin Herter's 15. Josh G- Josh Giddy is basically their power forward, Chris. He's just a ball handler. <laughs> okay. He's like Hito Turkoglu. Okay. He's not really a shooting guard. He's just okay. shooting guard this by hand. He's not really a point guard then. That's fine. Okay. Hey, I'm not arguing that because they do have a point guard starting next to him. That's fine. That's if all I put I'm going to on the power forward list. People would yell at me. So I'm, Luca's I'm not a power forward. He's a shooting guard. He's a shooting guard. But anyway. Whatever. That's okay. Positions are pointless, but I. Okay. Different argument for a different article. Yeah. Tyler Hero 13. Okay, uh, let's see. Anthony Simons, 12. Tyrese, 11. So you got Tyrese outside of the top 10. That's probably fair. I think that's fair. I, I Right outside the top 10, I can deal with that. Yeah. There's some legit shooting guards here. But what I don't agree is with your number 10 here, Chris. Devin right. Vassell? Yeah. Devin Vassell. Yeah. You've watched no. the Spurs? Come on. Devin Vassell no. is awesome. He's putting Who up, watches he's getting... the Spurs? Apparently, Chris. Apparently, hey, Chris. Look, Maxi just put up six points on 14 shots off the bench. Vassell's a great defender, multi-level scoring facilitator. I'm just saying. I thought, honestly, he was a small forward because Keldon Johnson's been their power forward. But, okay. I mean, no, wait a no. He's not the power forward anymore because they got, uh, what's his name, Jeremy Shohan? Okay, anyway, I guess he's just their shooting guard. I still wouldn't put him top 10, though. Okay, you got Zach Levine, ninth. That's fair. Clay Thompson, eighth. That's fair. Bradley Beal, seventh. Yeah, that's fair. Desmond Bain, sixth. DeJounte Murray, five. Uh, yeah, I guess. Anthony Edwards, four. That seems kind of low for Edwards. He's been having a really good season. Four? How much? I can't put everyone in the top three. <laughs> well, I guess if you're looking at the top three, yeah, I guess Anthony Edwards is four, but... Okay, yeah, Jay, you got Jalen Brown, three, Donovan Mitchell, two, and Devin Booker, one. Yeah, I think Devin Booker's the best shooting guard in the NBA. I don't disagree. I think I would have put Beal over Bain for five, six. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Beal, they're trending in opposite directions. I, I agree, I yeah. going downhill, and I think Bain's going uphill. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I tend to agree there. Um, yeah, I look, the... <sighs> Uh, yeah, the top 10, I think, outside of Devin's Vassell, you were right on. So, yeah, I don't disagree there. Jonathan, you yeah, got I any mean, thoughts? No, not really. I mean, Chris, good articles. They always get the people talking. So I, I like that like that you put those out there for some conversation. Thank you. I, I, I try my best. Small forward and power forward will be out soon. I might have right. some trouble if... PJ Tucker isn't on the power forward list, but we'll cross that bridge when it comes. All right, <laughs> I, I well, don't speaking... think he will be. You can put Tobias Harris on the power forward list. How about that? Yeah, but then I have no one for the small forward list. That's okay. I'll That's okay. It. Well, but, speaking but of George recent Nier. articles, speaking of recent articles, uh, I put one out yesterday about Furcon. Everyone saw Furcon Korkmaz request a trade. Not sure the last time a bench role player has requested a trade from a team 
It but was it came when through. he did it, like, four years ago. Yeah, I was about <laughs> to say, he did it across, Yeah. Came through across his news, not really sure who he thinks he is, but what do you guys think? Is it warranted? Um, you know, more power to him. Um, we're in the <laughs> player empowerment era. Whatever, Absolutely. If he wants to request a trade, that's fine. The Sixers <laughs> don't have to listen to him. I don't think anyone wants his contract right now. Um, you know, last time he asked for a trade, they didn't trade him, and then he signed an extension. So, I don't think he carries that much power in this scenario. Um, you know, he's making five million this year, about five point three, five point four next year. Uh, that's like the kind of contract that the Sixers would have to probably use that second round pick or two to dump just into space. We'll see if there are any other players out there that they can use that salary to get. Um, but yeah, um, you know, I, I'm i not losing sleep over the freaking Korkmaz trade request. <laughs> I just find it pretty amusing, honestly. Oh no, what is he going to do? Sit out? Wait a second. He already is. Look, <laughs> like Chris said, he, he, this is not our first rodeo with a Korkmaz trade request. It's not like he has any leverage at all. The Sixers were probably going to trade him anyway at the deadline if they were going to make a deal to add talent just because his contract makes the money work for a lot of different fields, deals going on, which we'll get into, I'm sure, here in a little bit. But, like, yeah, no, the, he doesn't really have the leverage. I, I get where he's coming from because, like, he, he you know, he, he signed that contract expecting a better, bigger role. But to his own fault, he sucked last year. And part of that was injury, but part of that was him. So, yeah, no, you're not playing because of what you did, man. They had to go out and get better players because you stunk it up last year. And I get that you were injured. I do. But at the end of the day, you got to either figure it out or get out. And I guess now you're trying to get out. So good for you. But you don't have any leverage. Yeah, I mean, can the Sixers even get good value for him? Um, you know, I, again, like – there are going to be players out there in the $5 million range that the Sixers can can trade for, but they're going to have to give up extra stuff in most cases if they want, like, a legitimate rotation-level player in exchange for Furkan. You know, Furkan has been a rotation-level player at various points in the half, in the past. He's, he's kind of oscillated between good and bad over, over his many years with the Sixers. This is the longest tenured Philly player outside of Joel now. Like, we've been with Furkan for a minute. Um, I have a lot of fond memories of Furkan. You know, I, I, I love him dearly, but right now his value is not very high. So if the Sixers are going to try to trade him for a legitimate piece and not just to get below the tax line, which seems like the more likely outcome here, um, they're going to have to give up probably at least some second-round picks, I would say. Look, there should be teams that are interested in Korkmaz. He's known as a sharpshooter. He's had his moments where he's been a reliable three-point shooter. And the thing that we got to remember is he's only—he's not even 25 yet. Even though he's been with the Sixers for well, seven years now. Yeah, he's he under 25. 25. He, okay, he is 25. So that means he still could fit in the timeline of a rebuilding team. Okay, so he is 25. He can fit in the timeline of a rebuilding team. So that's not, you know, I, I think there are rebuilding. There is a rebuilding team out there or a young team that's on the up and coming that would be willing to take a flyer on a sharpshooter, the guy with a sharpshooter repu, uh, reputation. Now, yeah. obviously, we know his limits, but like and like you said, filler salary, he works. If you want to add him with, say, another player, which, like I said, I'm trying not to talk about now because we're going to talk about it in our next segment. But like you could add him with another player and get a quality role player along with maybe like a pick or two, you know, another player plus a pick or two. Yeah, you could get a quality role player. I, I don't think that's impossible for the Sixers to pull off. So, yeah, I think he has values. The contract is very tradable in terms of getting a player back, and he's he could be valued by some younger teams. Yeah, I agree. I mean, in a Furcon trade, whether it's him or a package, what for? What should the Sixers be looking for back? What position? Um, I mean, a lot of people are going to point, obviously, 
to, to the backup center spot here, um, which I, I think is fair. Um, I, again, I'm like just I'm team play Paul Reed, but I, that's just not going to happen from the looks of it. So that being the case, I, I wouldn't mind them going out and getting like a legitimately good backup center if there's one out there. Um, you know, Furkan Korkmaz plus Daniel House gets you into the salary range of Mason Plumley, who I know Lucas likes. It gets you into the salary range of Maryland's Noel, who we know the Sixers have called about. So, so there's some names there worth monitoring. His salary was pretty much a perfect match for Jared Vanderbilt, uh, who we'll talk about, uh, is no longer available for some reason. But, uh, yeah. It's not yeah. for some reason, but okay. Well, it is some reason. I don't understand. <laughs> it's a tease. I don't understand the jazz. Um, but, yeah, so backup centers one to watch. I, I wouldn't mind getting another, like, solid two-way wing, like, you know, in the Daniel House but good mold. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I think backup center feels like the main priority right now, which has been the case ever since Joel signed with the team unfortunately uh so that's what i would be on the lookout for but uh, another good two-way wing wouldn't wouldn't hurt well look chris it wasn't always for when joel was here you know andre drummond we didn't feel like we had to rush to make a trade for another backup center then just just saying just saying but anyway getting to the present day yeah i'm gonna be part of the the group of those people that you mentioned about backup center clearly you know montrez I saw a quote from uh, from him via um, Keith Pompey's. Uh, somebody asked him what he needs to improve on. He's like, I don't know. We all know what you need to improve on. You get better on defense, dude. Like, seriously. Uh, if you're not willing to do that, then I, I don't want you, man. I, you need to go find a team that you can put up numbers and be bad defensively on. Go back to the Hornets. Which I know was one of Chris's trade proposals, which I'm I'm okay with. I don't know if the Hornets want him back though. Um, I think a big wing is actually an underrated thing that the Sixers need. Backup wing wise, we have Matisse Thybul, who's really only six five. He's the he's the only quote unquote wing that really feels playable right now because Corkmaz doesn't. Jaden Springer, as much as Chris loves him, doesn't. Um, Corkmaz that wants to get out and he's not getting playing time and house hasn't really been anything for us. So yeah, backup wing would be just as equally as important for us. I think as a um, backup center, either one, but I think most people like Chris said are going to be going center. And I think so too, because God forbids Joel gets in foul trouble or something during the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really unfortunate that they just won't play Paul Reed. It's like, Pretty big indictment on Doc, who is now squandering the development of Tyrese Maxey somehow. But, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> well, if Doc screws it up, he's not going to be here next year. I, I almost guarantee you that. A decent sort of veteran guard, Maxey went to the bench. It's it's fine. Um, yeah, because Doc... Fun, but also Doc, kind of worried. Doc, Doc loves his veterans. You know how it is. All right, let's go ahead and switch gears, though. Yeah, let's get to it. News of the day right now. There was a uh, probably a couple hours ago, big trade, three-way trade between the Lakers, Jazz, and T-Wolves. The Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley. The Jazz get the Lakers' 2027 first-round pick protected, one through four, along with Toscano Anderson and Damian Jones. And the Wolves get Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and I think three second-round picks. I know Chris said he doesn't know what the Jazz are doing, but they have 15 first-round picks. Uh, up through the 2029 season. So Danny Ainge is doing something. Well, here's the thing. They had 14 before this trade. It's not like they just met, you know, <laughs> they already had 14. It's not good that math, big a Chris. Difference. Good math. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Lucas. It says you were going to go first. I apologize. But <laughs> you're I good. Just you're good. Say, Jared Vanderbilt is probably worth a first round pick on his own. Not to mention Mike Conley, right? Is still very good, and, and Beasley, who's still going to help the Lakers a lot. Lakers got all three of those guys for just one protected first-round pick that turns into a second pick, second-round pick if it doesn't convey. That's an insane trade value for the Lakers. The Lakers, like, that's a home run if you're L.A. Obviously, you get off of Westbrook. He was expiring, so it's not, like, a big deal necessarily that they get off the contract, but they, they get... Significantly better players in return. Russell was really 
learning how to play off of Anthony Edwards in Minnesota. Hopefully he can translate that to, to playing off of LeBron and AD. And they get Beasley and Vando. Vando's going to help that team a lot on defense. Beasley is going to sit there and hit a bunch of threes off of LeBron James' assists. Like, like, Lakers kick, kick butt in this trade somehow. Uh, Danny Ainge is maybe the one getting fleeced instead of the fleecer in, in a shocking turn of events. Um, in Minnesota, like, I, I straight up think Mike Conley is probably better than D'Angelo Russell. He's obviously much older and liable to go downhill much quicker. Uh, but Russell was on an expiring contract. His future there was definitely not concrete. So they make a short-term upgrade. They get some second-round picks. I, I think it's a good trade for Minnesota, a really good trade for the Lakers. And, and Utah has 15 now instead of 14 first-round picks. So good on them, I guess. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, look, in terms of who won, who lost the trade, the Lakers clearly won. Like you said, really great value for just one protected first-round pick. Granted, it's lightly protected. but uh, And you got off of you know Juan Toscano-Anderson and Damian Jones, who are both like fringe NBA players in reality. And you got D'Lo, for all of his quirks, is having a career shooting year. I think his true shooting percentage is like 65%. Um Really good three-point shooter. Like you said, learning to play off the of, uh, Ross um, Edwards. So, you know, him being back in L.A., as long as he doesn't have, like, a PTSD thing from, like, his first time in L.A., I think, the like, in all seriousness, no, that, that ended terribly for him. But, like, he can play, he can be a spot-up shooter, essentially, which he's actually pretty good at. So, in that terms, I think he'll be a great fit. Look. This with the Rui Hachimura trade plus this trade, the Lakers actually have a legit rotation now. With Thomas Bryant still in the rotation, you got Anthony. Like, look, if they can stay healthy, the Lakers have a chance to get to the conference finals in the West. I I honestly believe that because the West is still so well, wide open. Lucas, that's like I I was gonna say the Lakers clearly clearly won this trade, but yeah, I think they need to temper expectations because like. I've heard the media talking since this trade went down, like, oh, the Lakers are contenders. Like, I don't think they are contenders to win the like the NBA championship. They absolutely got better. They absolutely won the trade. They have a good rotation, but I don't think they're like top three, top four in the West. No, they're not yeah. going to get to the top. No, they're not going to get to that record. But could they, if, depending on matchup, could they get to the West Finals? Absolutely. They're probably more of a second round exit. They're probably more of a second round exit. But it, I wouldn't be surprised if they got to the West Finals either. I'm not. I don't pick them to win it. To be absolutely yeah. clear, they're not going to win the West. But yeah. could they get to the West Finals? Sure. I think that's possible. Likely, probably not. But possible, yes. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, uh, the West is pretty wide open. Uh, the Clippers still have a lot to figure out. Obviously, Denver. Denver's the favorite right now. Um, but mm-hmm, not, I agree. They're not juggernauts. The, the West is pretty wide open, especially if Phoenix. Doesn't mm-hmm. trade for Kevin Durant tomorrow, so um, yeah. I yeah. mean, look, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, if those guys are healthy, they're, they're going to have a puncher's chance. I, I think some people are slightly overselling D'Angelo Russell right now. I, I think he's good, not great. Frankly, Vanderbilt might be the real like gem of this trade for the Lakers. He might even be the best player in that trade for the Lakers. Like, Vanderbilt, eh, I don't know about that. Yeah. That's a strategy. Van- yeah. Like, a legitimate all defense caliber guy when when he's on and he crashes the boards, he plays really hard, but like that's a really good get and he's gonna do a lot of good Look, stuff. Look, I think my I think Beasley do. is the underrated portion of this trade, not Vandal. Beasley's a lit three point shooter. Like LeBron yeah. James does best when he has a sharpshooter on in the corner. He has that now he doesn't have one, he has two now with Reeves, who should be coming back soon, plus Beasley. That's what LeBron James really and D'Lo is a knockdown three point shooter as well. They have the spacing now to help. Now the question is defensively, can they hold up? I don't yeah. think so. But like I mean, offensively, yeah, the they have it. Like, like they have Beasley, what they need to make it work. 
Beasley's a really bad defender. Russell's a pretty bad defender, too. So you need guys to clean that up. Vando can do that. So it, it's not, like, perfect all around, but it's a huge upgrade over what Westbrook was giving them. So... Well, yeah, I think this so is Chris, also. I think I think this is also a win for the. Sorry, Jonathan. I think this is also a win for the Timberwolves. Look, D'Lo is yeah, going to be 100%. a free agent. I, I think I think Mike Conley. You need that floor general with that team, especially with two bigs. You need to have somebody that can distribute the ball. Anthony Edwards, even though he's averaging a career high in assists, he's not that floor general. Be, uh, Conley, his playmaking is going to be the last thing that goes. He's still a solid three point shooter. He can play off the ball. I think that's a good get for them. Yeah. Again, I, like Conley's better than Russell, I think. And, you know, short term, he's much older, but like he's going to get in Edwards way less. He has chemistry with Rudy Gobert, which is like yep. a nice thing um, as they try to work him into the offense more. Yeah, like, I think the only and like. So, yeah, I, I the only thing better. that like, yeah, the, the yeah. And like the only thing that you got to consider is like. And I guess this brings us to our next question, John, is what's going to happen with Westbrook and Utah, right? That's what I was about to say. I, I mean, I think we all agree there's no way he's staying there, right? Like, he's going to get bought out. So what, what I kind think of so. team, what, uh, the teams I've heard right away are Bulls, Charlotte, and uh, L.A. Clippers were the three that I heard are looking, are, are interested in him. Should he be bought out? What do you guys think? So I actually made a uh, list of player teams that I thought would be a good fit for him. Um, give me one second. I'm pulling it up now because I thought about this when it happened. So these are the four teams that I thought would be a good fit. Not a great fit, but like would make sense for him. The Miami Heat. He has that, you know, that, that attack mentality. I think him and Miami could work out possibly. They always look for star talent. He is still kind of a star. I think that could work. The Wizards, look, he didn't do bad in Wizard, with the Wizards. And they need, like, Monte Morris is good. But even Chris had Russell ranked higher than Morris. So if you can get uh, Westbrook on a minimum deal with a floor spacing big like uh, Porzingis, I think it's worth a shot. Um, then you get the Bulls, Lonzo Ball being injured, which pretty much seems like he's going to miss the whole season at this point. Um I, you know what? You you try to make one last run, get a point guard like Russell who can distribute. Maybe you got a floor spacing big and Vooch. It's it's worth a shot if you're the Bulls. And then the Clippers, like you said, I think they need a point guard help, minimum guy like Westbrook who can you know play make, who's learned how to play off the ball a little bit more. Why not? Yeah. Um... You know, I, I, he's a very good bench guard still. Um, as far as bench guards go, he could help quite a few teams. Uh, he, obviously, whoever signs him needs to be careful of not handing him too much of, of the offensive workload because he, he, he can still limit you pretty severely if he's given too much freedom. But, you know, uh, you know, obviously the Lakers have, or not the Lakers, the Clippers have been looking for a point guard for a while now. Reggie Jackson and John Wall have not been working out. It's clear that Wall's either going to get traded or bought out here in the near future. So Westbrook would make a, a lot of sense there. Uh, the Heat, I, I'm not as sold on the Heat fit, but I'm sure he's, he's better than he's better than Kyle. In my opinion, I think he's better than Kyle Lowry at this point. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't go that far, but I, I know you wouldn't, that was your list, but I'm just saying for me, I think he's better, a better option than Kyle. I, I mean, I think you'd be coming off the bench behind Kyle, um, if Kyle isn't traded, but yeah. Um, I, I mean, look, I'm sure Russ would love to live in Miami or stay in Los Angeles. So I, I think those would be the two <laughs> leading candidates if I had to guess. Um, Chicago makes less sense to me. I, I don't really know why they would do that. Um, what the incentive is for either side in that scenario, I'm not sure. But um, I guess until Lonzo gets back, since he, he can't be on the list, you, you got to sign Russell Westbrook. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think the Clippers, if I had to What, get, what about Washington? Do you like him in Washington? Um, I, I don't know. It's like, what's the point? Again, like, like what are the Wizards trying to accomplish? With the Westbrook trade, they're, they're 
are they trying to be a playing team or like like what I mean they they're trying to be a playing team right now when he was there they were a playoff team so yeah I I don't know if you you can count on him to get to that level again um like sure is is he would it be worth trying out because the Wizards have nothing else going for them sure but um I I don't know if that's the kind of situation that Russ would be super enthused by because they're just not winning anything um yeah well, let's get to the uh, other trade news that came, kind of breaking news as we started recording the podcast. So the Knicks are trading Cam Reddish, Spee Mikhailik, Ryan Archdiakono, a protected future first-round pick that, if it doesn't convey this year, will turn into four, uh, four future second-round picks. Wow. All to, all to get Josh Hart back from the Blazers. Wow, that seems very unnecessary. What's the protection on the pick? Do you know? I have not seen that yet. It just uh, oh, lottery protected. So, um, okay, lottery so protected that... first round pick. Uh, if it doesn't convey four future first or four future seconds, Cam Reddish, Steve McKaylock, and Ryan Archdiakno for Josh. Okay. Hart. Well, the last uh, Ryan uh, Arakno and uh, Siv. Uh, I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Mikhailik are uh, just add-ins, it feels like. The real trade yeah. here is Cam Reddish in the first-round pick for Josh Hart. Look, the the Knicks won this one, I think. Like, Cam Reddish wasn't going to be a part of their future. The fact that they were able to get Josh Hart for a lottery-protected pick is a win there. I Look, Josh Hart, he's not going to be a starter there, but he's going to be a really good reserve guy, and that just bolsters their bench. They, they're a good team, and Chris said this before the podcast, so I'm stealing this, Chris, sorry. But they just don't have the top-end talent to be an elite team. But just adding another good rotational guy like Josh Hart certainly h- helps them in the long term. He's one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA. He's a good defender, can hit open threes, not as willing lately, but he's he can. So that's I think this is a good trade for the Knicks. Good job. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, Josh Hart makes them better. He's a really solid two-way player. He does a lot of good things on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, it, it's interesting that New York made this trade, considering what we had heard of, of them being in the OG and an OB hunt, potentially. We heard that maybe... They could so- still be They could still be in the OG and an OB hunt. I, I don't they know. Do we have maybe, to- maybe like two or three first-round picks was the going price for OG. Maybe they say one for Josh Hart is better than giving up three for OG. Um, I agree. That might be the decision they're making here. I don't even know if I agree. I'm just saying that might be where their yeah. head's at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, the Knicks are kind of stuck in no man's land. Josh Hart doesn't get them out of no man's land. They're giving up a future first that does hamstring their flexibility to some extent. Um, they're they're going to be like a rock-solid 6-10 to 10 seed for the foreseeable future, as long as RJ takes a few steps forward and Julius doesn't fall off a cliff. But is is that really where you want to be as a franchise? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how, how they handle things going forward. Uh, but, yeah, Josh Hart makes them better. He's, he's a good player, so it, it's hard to complain. Cam Reddish wasn't playing. Portland takes an upside swing as a team that is probably going to be rebuilding sooner than later with, with how that team is. Because mm-hmm. they, they yeah, this is, it. yeah. So yeah, this is, this is definitely another step for them going full on rebuild. Basically the only thing stopping, there's only two players stopping them from going full on re three. If you count Jeremy Grant, Jeremy Grant, Dame, and you, you, uh, Nurkic. Those three are the only like veterans that actually contribute on the team, and it's a stretch to say Nurkic. So yeah, I think Portland's definitely leaning towards a rebuild at this point. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to switch to the Sixers real quick. Two of you can put on your GM hat, pretend you're Daryl Morey for the day. Trade deadline's 3 p.m. tomorrow. What's one trade they're going to make? I'm going to call... Charlotte about Mason Plumley. I'm trying to get Mason Plumley. That is my goal. If I get Mason Plumley, he he can be a really good solid starter if you need him. He's an average starter, great reserve, can play make, can defend, can be a role man on the pick and roll, would be a good partner for James Harden. I I, I say you go for Mason Plumley. 
Hmm. That that's a good idea. I I like Mason Plumley a lot. Uh, hmm. It's tough. I mean, look, Furkan and, and Daniel House gets you into the range of Jay Crowder's contract. That'd be yeah. That's not a bad one. I yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd be interested in calling Phoenix about Jay Crowder and seeing what the price is. It does seem like Milwaukee and other teams are willing to give up a good amount, though. So, um, you know, I, I, I like Plumley a lot. I think he's better than Andre Drummond, for example. But obviously, the contract makes it a bit harder to, to work around. Drummond is only making I'm, about $3 million this year. So it'd be a lot easier to trade for him. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so I, I'd look at Plumley too. I'd look at Drummond, uh, but I, I think Crowder. If if I could make like, if I could talk Phoenix into Furkan and House and a, a few second round picks for Jay Crowder, I'd be really into that. I don't know if he can, but House started his career in Phoenix, so it's not on her. Having him go back uh, there wouldn't be unreasonable. Yeah. So that's a guy I'd look at. I, I think Kelly Oubre Jr. is another guy worth considering here, but I'll, I'll say Jay Crowder. If you go for Kelly Oubre, you have to give up P.J. Tucker. The money won't work otherwise, but I'm not opposed to it. Um, yeah, an- Another really cheap, easy center out there who's probably better than the two they have on the roster right now uh, would be Mike Piscala. Probably not that hard uh, to get him. He's, he's been playing really uh, good, so I, I'd consider it. Is he is he really better than Paul Paul? I don't yeah. know about that. He's a 40% three-point shooter. But he he can't last night against, against the Lakers. But, but he's so bad defensively. Yeah, so oh. they've been playing Montrezl Harrell for 50 games, Lucas. I know, I know. <laughs> My statement still stands. All right, well, let's finish this off going in a little bit into the uh, Sixers time machine. So we'll start Lucas, Chris, and... And then me, um, what is the best trade that you think the Sixers have ever made? Oh, gosh. Um, which uh, Was it the Markel trade to Orlando that got us the pick for Tyrese? That can't I be think the trade. I, I, if, if we're, I mean. I don't think so. Okay. Whatever trade got us the Tyrese pick back. Whatever trade that I will say that because I don't think the story's done with Tyrese. And while like you could certainly say James Harden or some something along those lines or um, Charles Barkley because that was a trade actually. Ooh, hold up! Now you're making me yeah. think. Um, now so you're, you're taking I'm them all. I'm gonna point out the fact that they traded for Moses Malone who won a championship. That's uh, it, yeah. Chris. That, that is the trade. Um, as much as I love. Tyrese Maxey. Um, Moses Malone was pretty good. I, that's like the objective answer. Um, that's the one I had too, Chris. I yeah. mean, that was an absolute steal. Absolute steal. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what could have been maybe if history had been kinder to the Sixers was the Jimmy Butler trade because they did not give up much at all to get him. But yeah, uh, as we all know, that did not go as well as it could have. Uh, for various reasons, but I, I think Moses Malone is the the answer. <laughs> yeah, I so I suppose you're right, but the a biased version of me wants to say Tyrese. Now, now, yeah, and of, like uh, Markel Fultz trades. Let's let's do the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, before we dive into that, I was gonna say part of me wanted to go recency bias and just say, wow, like James Harden for Simmons yeah. essentially was huge, but yeah, objectively it, it, Moses Malone. Okay. I did love that segue, though, Chris. Yes, now we are going to work trade, and you brought it up, so why don't you just take it first? Yeah, brief aside, I, I will say the only reason the Sixers really have Tyrese Maxey is because of Mike Piscala. So, oh, the Mike Piscala nice. trade. That's right. That was the trade. I forgot about Yes, the Mike no, Muscala. the fact that he hit that three. That Oh, three. you're right. You're right. It wasn't the Mike Muscala. What, was that the uh, Possessed Knicks trade that we got, Tyrese? I think it was. It was the <laughs> Whatever that European guy's name was from 2017 with the 25th pick. It was that trade. Mike Pretty Muscala's sure. game-winning shot in the bubble is the only reason the Sixers got to pick Tyrese Maxey. Um, Absolutely. So, I'd trade him, but... 
Uh, yeah, worst trade ever. I'm I'm sure there are other ones out there. I'm just recency biased, and it's the worst trade that I've experienced is uh, trading up for Markel Fultz and giving up basically Jason Tatum in the process. Kind of, it seemed like the Celtics by reporting would have you think that they were going to take Jason number one. I don't know how much I believe that. So giving up assets to move up and then select Markel only for him to forget how to shoot while Tatum became an MVP candidate was not the ideal outcome <laughs> there. Chris, uh, we had an argument during this draft. Me and you had an argument. I don't know if you remember this, but I still remember this. I told you that Tatum was the better prospect for the Sixers if you believed Ben Simmons was a true point guard, which you did at the time. Okay, you were wrong. Fultz was the better prospect, but his shoulder... No! No! No, it was Tatum. Tatum at six eight had all the skills, and no, it was no. no I wasn't wrong. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to like toot my own horn. Back in this time, I was ready for busting brackets, so I was way more in on college basketball, and I did think Tatum was the better prospect. Thank you. Okay, both. Thank you. Markel Fultz as a prospect was one of the best prospects of the last twenty years. He just mm-hmm. forgot how to shoot. No one could have predicted that. One of the best prospects in the last twenty years, Markel. Do you get? I I, awesome. uh, I I I disagree there, Chris. I'm sorry. Do we remember um, Washington Markel Fultz? That guy was insane. <laughs> that guy was getting James Harden comparisons. Markel oh. Fultz as a prospect was out of this world. I'm not even gonna hear it. Oh my god. I I can okay. see that, but I I know you said that reporting that the Celtics like implied they were going to take Tatum anyway and you weren't sure. I'm pretty confident they were going to take Tatum and that's why I think this yeah. is the worst trade. It just, like, they got an extra first-round pick and got the guy they wanted anyway. So it just, that was tough. But I will say honorable mention, Andrew Bynum trade. Um, that one stuck out to me too. Yeah, you said yeah. Andrew Bynum? <laughs> I will tell you, my worst trade was the other Moses Malone trade. The one that got him out. Of what a Philly trading him to the actually, no, I take that back. It wasn't the Moses Malone trade. It, well, it was part of it because Philly made two moves around that draft. They traded Moses Malone to the Washington Wizards and then they traded their top pick to the Cleveland Cavaliers that became Daltrey. So they traded two guys who were really good centers. Essentially for nothing. Yeah. There are a lot more bad trades, I feel like, in, in Philly's past than good trades. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, you could say the uh, AI trade was bad because, like, as well, good as Andre Miller is, he's not the same as AI. And the franchise definitely took a step back. But I'm going to go with the Moses Malone slash trading third pick overall, uh, Dal- Brad Daltrey to uh, the Cle- Cleveland Cavaliers. That's going to be, like, my two-and-one. What about the uh, Danny Granger trade? But we didn't really give up anything on that trade. Evan Turner? Yeah, Evan Turner ended up being a role player the rest of the time, rest of his career. I wasn't really worried about it. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like, look, if we're looking for a bad process trade, you could say for the fact that they held on to Jaleel Okafor for too long and couldn't get anything of value back for him. They should have traded him during his rookie year if they were going to trade Lucas, him. do you want to talk about how he's back? I do. I do. This was not good. Oh, I mean, I kind of talked about it last time, but basically the the Delaware Blue Coats traded for Okafor from the uh, Mexico City Capitans, and um, him along with Shabir, Shabazz Napier and uh, Bruno, how do you say his last name? The guy that's two years away from being two years away. What's his name, Chris? Bruno Cabaculoco, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Close enough. Yeah, close Kabaka. enough. Plus, yeah, and, and then, then like one other guy who isn't really a big deal, and they didn't really train anybody on their roster besides like Justin Robinson. Like the other guys they traded was not that big of a deal. So like it was a steal for the Blue Coats. Look. I love Jaleel Okafor. I, I always thought he got a raw deal. I will always be rooting for Jaleel. 
So if I can get out to Delaware to see a Blue Coats game, I, I definitely will just to be cheering for them. And I'll ask uh, Alex Yor if they have any uh, Jaleo uh, jerseys that I can buy. Um, but no, it's a, it. Look, it's a small little gesture. It's nice to have a full circle. Will he get a ten day? Probably not. But you know what? He can't be much worse defensively than uh, Montrez Harrell is right now. So, um, you know who knows. Well, guys, I, I think we've uh, reached the end of the road here. We have. Um, yeah, we're recording Wednesday night. Um, we're going to post this online Wednesday night. Trade deadline is tomorrow. So next podcast, we should have uh, plenty to talk about, both with the Sixers and with the rest of the NBA, because something cool is bound to happen. So we'll be back soon, everyone. As always, thank you to all all the listeners for tuning into another episode of the Sixer Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, all those fun places, Apple Podcast. Um, this particular episode won't be on YouTube. We're going to be back there soon, though. So subscribe there. Subscribe on the audio streams as well. You can listen and read our stuff at thesixersense.com as well. And until next time, go Sixers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.